Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to this special holiday edition of The New Abnormal. Today we're going to have some fun and we're going to discuss the year in political comedy. And joining us today to guide us through it is the Daily Beast, Matt Wilstein, who hosts the Last Laugh podcast. Welcome to The New Abnormal, Matt Wilstein. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. We love a crossover episode. We're all <laughs> about synchronicity. Yes. Synergy. So Matt, I, I, I'm curious, 2021, good year, great year, bad year for political comedy? What would you feel about this year? It was better than 2020. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that's saying much. <laughs> 2020 was a rough year on all kinds of levels. Um, but I think, you know, also it was a, a year of people figuring out how to be funny and sometimes struggling to be funny in a, in a very dark year. And I think there was some return to normalcy, if I can use that word, uh, in 2021 um, on, on at least some levels. So explain. SNL uh, was an interesting, had an interesting year um, with some a lot of new cast members kind of moving out of the Alec Baldwin era. It was a big transition for that show, which was interesting to see. They had a Biden actor and then they didn't. Yes, there was a lot of interesting things happening with the Biden on SNL. Um, they, they've had lots of people do it over the years. You know, obviously Jason Sudeikis back in the day, and then he came back and hosted this year and played Biden opposite the show's new Biden, um, who is also the show's new Trump. Um, and this is a guy named James Austin Johnson, who uh, really blew up on, on Twitter and Instagram uh, with his Trump impression. You know what, can I get 60 seconds on the clock, please? Because this bill is, you know what, Sleepy Joe Biden is such a disaster. We're coming back. We're coming back in 2024. We're doing the reboot, okay? Everyone loves reboots. People loved it before. They're going to like it again, okay? Just like iCarly. Just like iCarly. But uh, not all reboots are good, okay? Joe Biden tried to reboot Obama, and it flopped, okay? It flopped really bad, just like the female Ghostbusters. And speaking of girl, okay, why did they, why did they reboot Gossip Girl? Why the hell? You simply can't match. You cannot match the electricity of Chuck Bass and Blair Waldorf. You know, there were times when Blair was a bad friend to Serena, and sometimes, you know what? This was true. Sometimes Serena was the bad friend to Blair. <laughs> and got hired by SNL and now is also doing Biden on the show. So, so far they have not been able to have Biden and Trump appear together because uh, it would be the same actor. They could do some clever <laughs> editing, but in terms of live... Didn't they originally have a movie star playing Biden? Well, they did have Jim Carrey playing Biden uh, during the campaign, yes. and that was a, a full-on disaster. So that's a good example of why 2021 has been better than 2020, I would say. I couldn't believe how bad he was. Yeah, it was really painful. And then even after that, they had a different cast member playing him, this guy Alex Moffat, who plays, uh, I believe he plays Eric Trump on the show as one of his uh, his best characters. Um, oh, but yeah. then I guess it did, they didn't feel like that was really popping either so then they brought in this new guy biden is not the is i would say is not the easiest impression compared to trump which is a very easy impression and i think the the best trump impression that i saw really um this past year was from an old snl guy dana carvey who 
first premiered it, I believe, on Conan, sort of just like chatting. He he went into it and then actually did the whole like costume wig makeup thing on, on Colbert. That does make a lot of sense. I mean, he's he's a master of impressions and has been for a long time. And I think he captured something about Biden that, that no one else quite has been able to. And specifically, this new quieter, uh, subtler Biden than the one that we saw back in the, in the Obama years. So, Mr. President, this is your first trip abroad since taking office. How's it going so far? Going great. Met the guy that uh, runs England, Boris Karloff, Boris Johnson. Excuse me. Then I met the high school kid who runs France, Macaroni. Had tea with the queen. I'm the president guy. Come on. Yeah, I, I know you are, sir. I'm happy that you are. Are, yeah. are, you, are you enjoying yourself in Belgium? Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Look at these. Look at these crazy pancakes they got over here. Look at that. Put bumps everywhere. That's bonkers, man. Look at that. Yeah, that. Come on. Those are those are great, Mr. President. But I'm asking is, has it been hard yeah. to reestablish diplomatic ties with our allies after the last president burned so many bridges? Look, look. Okay, let's be real. Let me be clear. The last guy, Trump, was bananas. Okay. <laughs> But look at me. Look at me, Europe. I'm nice and easy. Listen to my voice. You know, I'm whisper calm. You know, I'm not, not going to make any sudden moves. Look at my hands. Moving slow. Look at that. No herky-jerky, just slow and easy. So one of the things people love to discuss is, is SNL good? Is it bad this year? Did you see anything strong with SNL this year? You know, I think it was, it was not, it was not overall great, I would say, but there's always great things happening. Um, and one that I think we should definitely, um, highlight is this incredible Cecily Strong performance. She, she does, um, she does Janine Pirro, which I love and has always been (laughs) really great at that, um, box of wine. Um, but (laughs) she also did this very, um, really unique, great piece on Weekend Update, um, just a, a couple months ago as a clown. Did you know one in three clowns will have a clown abortion in her lifetime? You don't, because they don't tell you. They don't even know how to talk to other clowns about it. Because when they do talk about it, if you were a clown who wasn't the victim of something sad like clown cess, they think your clown abortion wasn't a righteous clown abortion. I mean, what the dick is that? What, abortion? Well, I guess kind of. You know, it's funny, Colin. We're having fun. Just laugh. Hey, pull my finger. No. Laugh. I need it. I need you to laugh so hard. Like the way I laugh when the doctor asked if I got pregnant on the way over to the clinic because I wasn't very far along. And that is one of my favorite jokes to this day. I love that joke. It's such a good joke. Not like a funny ha-ha joke, but like a funny you're not an awful person and your life isn't over now joke. The best kind. A honka honka. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ab- abortion comedy, not easy, but no. uh, but she really, she pulled that off, um, and it stood out on SNL as something that was not obvious, which they often do, um, and was really kind of cutting and, and funny at the same time, and, um, you know, I thought, I thought and, and personal, I think, for her, even though she was playing this outrageous clown character, I think that really did come from a, a real place for her, which was great to see. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, the mainstream doesn't always like to have to face the reality. And so it's nice to see SNL actually being brave about this. Yeah, I think that's right. I've talked to a few people over the years on, you know, on my podcast, The Last Laugh, who have who've tried to do abortion comedy. Um, you know, one who I had on for the second time this year was Jenna Friedman, uh-huh. um, who's this great comedian who did a whole um a whole hour sort of one woman show on um, on abortion. I believe it's called Miscarriage of Justice. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's something that is, if you're going to do it, you, you better do it 
well, and I think this was uh, this was also a great example of it. It's it's funny you you did a great interview with her, and she Thank really you. is. I think the person who's like best at doing uncomfortable comedy right now, like that oh, yeah. episode she did with the uh, cannibal cop of her show soft focus is I think one of the things I've shared the most and one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. So funny. And then she kind of branched out this year. She's on this, she did this show called indefensible, which really flew under the radar, unfortunately, but it's a, it's a true crime show, which is, has a lot of, comedy in it, although when I asked her if it was a comedy show, she said no, which I thought was interesting, but um, but it is very funny at the same time, just because I think she can't help but be funny, and she was a uh, Daily Show field producer before that, and um, also wrote on the Borat movie, which we talked about on uh, last year's yes. uh, comedy yeah, episode, right. um, and she was res- the one responsible, speaking of abortion, for that scene, that Borat scene in the abortion clinic, or the place where they, that's not an abortion clinic that they go, um, where the guy tries to talk Borat's daughter out of having an abortion, despite the fact that they tell her that Borat is the father of that baby as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> one of the things that some older comedians are kind of obsessed with is this idea that comedians are canceled, that certain comedians, if they have more conservative views, are quote-unquote canceled. This has been a big topic that sort of gets us to Chappelle. Yes. Your idea of people who think that they're canceled or, or want or almost want to be canceled in a way <laughs> is, is how I think of it. You know, especially with someone like Chappelle, who this past year almost tried to cancel himself by putting out this big final Netflix special where he knew what he was doing, I think, in pushing the line on these issues with um, the trans community, which is something that he's just been obsessed with for I think too long now and really uh, kind of, you know, in, in my view, when I was watching it, I, I did feel like if there is a line in comedy, he went too far, not in the sense that it was so outrageously offensive that it, it you know, that I, I, I didn't feel personally offended by it, but I think it was no longer funny. And that was what really uh, killed him this year. And, you know, he's someone who I've thought is, is been very funny and for a long time. And I was, a, I was a huge fan of his and, you know, maybe I, I will be again, but, you know, for me, I think it was just the whole Chappelle thing was exhausting this year. My God, JK Rowling wrote all the Harry Potter books by herself. She sold so many books, the Bible worries about her. And they canceled her because she said in an interview, and this is not exactly what she said, but effectually, she said, gender was a fact. And then the trans community got mad as They started calling her a TERF. So I looked it up. TERF is an acronym. Stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. I'm Team TERF. I agree. I agree, man. Gender is a fact. As someone who is like, hasn't really been following it because (laughs) it's so stupid, and also it's what he wants, is he just a big bully or was there some really like subversive comedy in there? Yes, if there was subversive comedy, I didn't see it. I think that the thing that that really got me, so I mean, for anyone who is living under a rock and and doesn't know and or maybe didn't watch the special, because I think once all the controversy happened, there were probably a lot of people who said, well, I'm not going to watch that. There were some jokes in there, but he also just straight up came out and said that he doesn't believe that trans women are a thing and that he, you know, and he called himself Team Turf, which is, uh, um, you know, aligning himself with J.K. Rowling. 
And he maybe was trying to make a point that he should be able to say whatever he wants. And that, and he, I think he, he proved that point in a way because Netflix, despite protests, despite their own employees walking out and all this stuff, really uh, stuck by him. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if he'll do another special with Netflix, um, but he is headlining, opening their big festival in LA next, this coming year, um, the Netflix is a joke festival, which is this insane, every single comedian you've ever heard of playing at different venues all over LA for a week. And he's the opening night. And I think that's, that says a lot about, you know, where Netflix is and and what they, you know, that they are really saying we're going to stick by him. And in a way that's good because they're, they're standing up for comedians being able to say whatever they want to say. But, you know, I think it, it does, it, there is some real life consequences to this stuff in terms of how, uh, you know, violence against trans people and that, that, that's a, it's a, it's a real concern that he has completely dismissed and doesn't believe that there are any consequences for this stuff. And even Netflix basically said they don't believe that there are consequences for words which i think is uh doesn't doesn't ring true to me yeah. uh-huh. do you think that all of the sort of bad feelings around what Chappelle did have sort of eclipsed any particular gain he might have gotten from the controversy well i think it it gained him a new or evolving fan base of these you know i think it's a lot of young men Far it's right. the joe rogan crowd he toured with joe rogan uh this past year as well um, and I think he's kind of aligning himself with that side. And I think there's, there's been forever. There's been talk about a civil war in comedy. And I think it, it really came up a lot around, this is another SNL thing, but if you remember the, the guy, Shane Gillis, who was hired by SNL and then fired before he got a chance to start because all of this, you know, sort of racist and homophobic stuff came out that he had said. And, you know, I think it's a, there is, in a sense, these two sides of comedy, if you want to call it like woke comedy on one side and um, whatever Chappelle and Joe Rogan are doing on the other side, anti-woke comedy. Yeah, reaction, reactionary bullshit, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, he, the, he probably sees a, a big future for himself in, in that I worry about what all of those young men listening to Joe Rogan, listening to some of the stuff Chappelle is saying, how that affects their outlook on a lot of issues and on life. Yeah. I feel like we're getting very serious for a comedy episode, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. So why don't we turn that, turn, turn that around? One of the things that we were going to discuss is, uh, James Adomian's uh, amazing Mike Pillow guy impression here. Uh, why don't I cue that up? Yes. Well, I, I know the Mike Pillow guy is a, is a favorite, um, you know, on this show, uh, <laughs> yes, Molly just, and right. Favorite of everyone. <laughs> Who doesn't lo- love a fascist pillow magnate? Okay. Let's listen to this. Uh, are you planning to run for governor of Minnesota? I wouldn't run to be a dog catcher right that now. If those machines are still in. Oh, stop no. the presses. You got this guy out there. This is a fraud. This is not the man. Hey, hey, oh hey, my he needs some. You got to get this guy some blue shirts. Yeah, well, Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm as comfortable in my pajamas as I am in a bleeding bandage on top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. You got this guy out here. He's claiming to be me. That's an imposter. First they went for the phones. First they went for our phones, and now they're sending in clones. <laughs> wow, look at him. Look at him. That's not it. Now I don't know which one of you is which. I'm really confused. <laughs> I challenge you to a pillow fight at the Minnesota State Fair this summer. You got it. You got it. That's where we settled this. We settled this. 
going to kill you guys. You guys are our targets for killers. Jimmy, this is a chance for you to show some leadership for once. Uh. It's a King Solomon moment. Cut the pillow in half. Whoever screams more, it's my pillow. <laughs> All right. Well, you know the problem with that is that it's not clear. <laughs> which, which, is is which, which is no, right? D- Domian is the greatest in per se. Like her, his Gorka is just the greatest thing on earth. Like it fills me with joy. So to to explain that a little bit, that was the comedian James Adomian as the My Pillow guy and Mike Lindell, the actual My Pillow guy, together on Jimmy oh. Kimmel Live. Um, so that was when Jimmy had. Mike Lindell on as a guest, which I think was a questionable decision, which I'm not sure went as well as uh, we all would have liked because it really did legitimize him in a, in a way that, uh, that I think he probably, that Mike Lindell probably enjoyed. Um, but then the, the part that I really did enjoy is when they, they brought out uh, James Adomian as as the MyPillow guy who he's been playing on Kimmel, you know, the, in the year leading up to that to, uh, to kind of confront him uh, <laughs> on, on, on camera. So then they had two MyPillow guys going going head to head. Um, but yeah, Domian is, is such a, a great impressionist. Um, you know, speaking of people who are, who do great political impressions. So it was, it was kind of fun to see, see him show up with the actual, my pillow guy. I was out in LA for a quick run this year and I happened to go to a comedy set that had like nine decent comedians. And then he gets on stage and I was kind of feeling bummed out about how not creative some people were. And I watched him do probably the greatest comedy set I've ever seen, not in a large theater. (laughs) That was so dark, but like kind of exactly the opposite of Chappelle in that it was insightful and showed me things about the world that I had not thought about in a deep way. Mm -hmm. And really he is just one of the greatest talents out there. Yeah, he really is. Um, and I, yeah, I think this this run that he's done on Kimmel has been really great. I would love to see him, you know, really get a chance to have his own show or do something bigger because he's so talented. So some comedy, though, like his imitation, you sometimes watch a show and you're like, is this real or is this a parody? And I didn't know anything about Z-Way when I first hit play on it. It took me a minute to realize it was a gag, but you picked out <laughs> yeah. this really good clip of her show. Uh, why don't we listen to that? This one goes out to all my pores out there. I know you're down on your luck, but someone once told me being poor is a choice. So stop. Stop being poor. Stop being poor. Let the wealth trickle down. Let the money hit the floor. If you are a poor person, then just go out and find a job. If you can't secure a job, then go to college, don't be a blob. If you can't afford tuition, then try to get employed again. And if you still can't get a job, go work for your rich uncle then. Just stop being poor. Stop being poor. (laughs) Let the wealth trickle down. Let the money hit the floor. So she got pretty famous... uh, doing these Instagram live uh, oh, videos yeah. She's gr- where she would interview, um, you know, mostly uh, white women um, and kind of uh, confront them and embarrass them. And it was really <laughs> great. And really then good. she got her own show. I couldn't believe people kept signing up for that. I know, right? They, I, they, <laughs> I think everyone signs up for that thing. Well, well she's not going to embarrass me. I'll be okay. <laughs> um, I mean that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So she does these she does these interviews on her show, but then she also does sketches like this "Stop Being Poor" music video, which I just feel like I have not been able to get out of my head for the entire year. And it's her and the and comedian 
Patty Harrison, who's also hilarious, doing it together. Um, so that was just a clip of it, but I, I encourage everyone to go seek out the whole thing if you haven't uh, seen it because yeah, the visuals are, are wonderful as well. Yeah, I thought Z-Way with Phoebe Bridgers on allyship was like when comedy can send up the ridiculousness of a subject, but also make it show how important it is all at once. That's like the most brilliant comedy. And that sketch was just so amazing on showing the nuances of what allyship was. Okay, so you're a fan of ASMR. I'd love for you to read a couple statements, just, you know, ASMR. Okay, don't mind the mic, it's in your face. Oh, okay. I will do my own emotional labor. I apologize for all racism. Here's my pin number. Insert pin number. No, you're supposed to say the number. Six, 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 six. <laughs> I will never get married on a plantation. Yeah, and I think they're actually friends because uh, they, they post a lot of Instagram pictures together. So I think uh, they, <laughs> they, they do get along in real life, which is nice to, to know. You know it's real when it's on the grid. Yes. <laughs> but then people also might know Z-Way uh, because she guest starred on Succession this season. That's right. As a sort of version of herself, a late night comic who invites Kendall Roy, uh, Jeremy Strong's character, on her show to confront him. This is a very minor spoiler for, for Succession that has a lot of spoilers. Is this a spoiler? No, that he's very excited about being on her show and he like, loves the idea, but when he actually gets there, he, uh, he can't quite bring himself to do it. So I guess he's the one person who realizes uh, that it's not a good idea in the final moments before going on her show. <laughs> but yeah, so it was really fun to see her pop up on uh, Succession as well. She's just having a, a moment for sure. Which brings us to that, you know, comedy is not just what's on the late night shows. Some TV shows can be very funny. And I think we all thought that Secession was one of the funniest shows this year. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I certainly did. I think it's, it's a, it, I think it was, it ended up being both the best drama of the year and maybe some of one of the funniest shows of the year as well, which is quite a feat. Molly has particularly gotten uh, annoyed with me when I've uh, repeated uh, Kendall's line about tying your dick to a tr- runaway train uh, when I talk about the Republican party. So uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was told I had to cut that out of an episode at one point, huh? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I did want to talk to you about something and fuck it. I'll just come out and say it. Fascists are kind of cool. But not really. So is that like a problem, a thing? <sighs> Seriously, me, I just, I don't have a lot of boundaries. St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Schumacher, I'll borrow from anyone. And you know, if Franco or H or Travis Bickle had a good pitch, fuck it. I'm a man for all seasons. Mm-hmm. H. You know, there was a very naughty boy named H. I'm a fully-fledged, small-D Democrat. A well-regulated election is a transmission frequency, for God's grace. Holy shit, you really are a Christian, aren't you? Well, no, no, no. My only thing is, like, who's the stakeholder, right? I've been tending, you know, my little garden for, like, a hundred years. And then, 40 new guys show up in the back of a truck, playing their boombox. And it's put to a vote, and they decide to uh, give my farm to them. I mean, what? So sorry? What happened? Maybe you have to put in, right, before you get to take out. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you know, who gets to uh, who gets to join? Well, people trust people who look like them. That's just a scientific fact. They will give more tax dollars to help them. Hmm. Now, 
You can integrate new elements, of course, but come on, man. Slowly. I mean, fuck! I like this country. Yeah. Let's just take a beat before we fundamentally alter its composition. The great only flaw I can think of in this season of Secession was not having more of that character. Well, I, I have to think he's going to play a bigger role in the, in the next season, in season four. But that was Justin Kirk, who people might know from Weeds and some other shows, um, as this sort of Tucker Carlson slash Josh Hawley character who, who comes in in, in, the very, in this very political episode of Succession. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, that, that clip starts with my probably favorite line of the season, which was, fascists are kind of cool, but not really. <laughs> um, and uh, that's uh, Karen Culkin, um, who's so, so funny on the show. And that, I mean, that was a particularly dark, darkly comic uh, clip, I would say, but, um, but really, uh, <laughs> there was a lot in there. It's funny because so many people discussed how Roman Kieran Culkin's character this year really was like one of the most bitingly funny characters we've seen with like a little bit of a different humor angle than usual. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he also manages to make every scene funny, including, without spoiling anything, the most intense scene, I would say, of the season finale. He's making jokes throughout it, uh, and it's still somehow so intense and so dark. Yeah, but I, I really I really love that episode and that, and that scene where they were at this, you know, Republican cabal basically deciding who the next president was going to be, and this is the guy who emerged. Yeah, it was amazing. So now we get to one of Molly's favorite TV shows. Curb Your Enthusiasm is back. How you been feeling about the new season? I like it, but I'm just a sort of <laughs> You're I don't in the have tank. any professional. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's good. But. <laughs> Were there any episodes or moments that have stood out to you in the Curb season, Molly? I've just found it really. I'm trying to remember what this is. The season after Latte Larry and the Spite Store. I love Wanda Sykes. I love all the sort of the characters on it. I think everybody's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the episode that, that has stood out so far, and there's still, I think, a few more of the season, is this one where he befriends a uh, Ku Klux Klansman um, sort of by accident and then <laughs> um, ends up having to get his, uh, try to get his robe cleaned. And then, the robes, and then yeah. Woody Harrelson's in there as, um, you know, playing uh, himself. And there's a whole uh, thing about cream shaming, which I thought was pretty funny. And <laughs> and so, yeah, this, uh, that, that was a really fun one. Is that the last season? That's the, the most recent season, yeah. But is there going to be another season after this? Oh, is there going to be? I You know, I think they never say, but they, you know, it's the kind I of show so. that could go on forever. So I think uh, certainly could. Yeah. You know what? My friend's wife is a seamstress. You can't believe the stuff that she can sew. Yeah? She kind of owes me a favor. Still, it's not going to be an easy ask. But I think I can get her to do it. Like a custom job. A custom job. You think she'd get it done? She could could get it done. She could get it done. Custom one done. She could do it. You will be the envy of every Klansman. Huh? You like that? (laughs) They'll look at you, they'll go, hey, what? Did you see Joe's rope? Look at Joe's rope. Where do I get one of those? You'll get invited to the Grand Wizard's house for dinner. That's my prediction. I've never been to his house. If I could go to dinner, I'd say that comes out to be a pretty fair trade. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. <laughs> Maybe you could do me a small favor. <laughs> 
So we'd be remiss to not talk about who we lost this year. Matt, you particularly flagged Norm McDonald was a huge, huge loss for comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that was that really hit everyone really hard. Um, you know, and I think he is someone who uh, had complicated politics, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not unlike Chappelle sometimes, but um, was a a really um, just a force in the comedy world. And I think really beloved by, by comedians, especially um, for his comedy and just everything that he, that he brought to, to what he did. And I think he was just such a unique voice. Um, so to, to lose him and it was really a shock cause he didn't tell anybody that he was sick um, besides maybe a couple really close friends. Um, so nobody knew that, that he was, uh, that he was on his way out and it was just really, really sad. Yeah, I mean, and I think what's an interesting difference between him and Chappelle is it seems like when people disagreed with Norm, there was a little bit more of a respect towards his opinion because he was a little bit more detailed and nuanced with uh, the things he would say people wouldn't like, I feel like. Yeah, I think he had that. He had the ability to be funny really no matter what he was saying he could he could make anything funny but yeah i just had i had so much fun you know rewatching his old uh, snl weekend update clips his old conan appearances and as sad as it was it was an opportunity to uh, go back and, and revisit uh, some of his best moments at rose yeah on late night tv so it was really just a lot of fun to to remember him this year yeah and particularly that weekend update that was such a great era of that uh, show with what he did there. Testimony during the final week provided some spellbinding moments. In a brilliant move during closing arguments, Simpson attorney Johnny Cochran put on the knit cap prosecutors say O.J. wore the night he committed the murders. Although O.J. may have heard his case when he suddenly blurted out, hey, hey, easy with that. That's my lucky stabbing hat. Okay, well, that brings us uh, to the end of the clips we have. Matt, thank you so much for being here, and we uh, hope you and the listeners have a happy holiday. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host and friend of the last laugh, Darcy Carden, and her favorite comedian friends, as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you will learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.